Okay. okay. I'm going to take you up on it. <laughs> okay. Beginning with today's part of the study, we have all week. Okay, I want to read you something not from the Bible, but I want to start by asking how many of you believe you will be raptured at some time? How many people are positive that the rapture is a biblical principle and you will be raptured? Okay, believe it or not, you are a very unusual percent of Christianity. Day one. (laughs) From the book, The Rapture Exposed. This is not written by a kook. This is written by the number one theologian for the number two denomination in the world. The rapture is a racket. And it's important for readers to know that the whole rapture is fiction. There is neither rapture of Christians off the earth, nor does the revelation predict any great tribulation. It is false theology, twisting and misquoting scripture, very much like any cult. Now, those of you who have studied scripture to the point that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the scripture predicts a rapture. You have little to worry about, except for sadness for those who don't know about the rapture. For those of you who believe in the rapture because that's what you were taught, and you don't have a biblically-centered understanding of the rapture, then there is always a risk that you will come across someone like this with far greater uh, qualifications than I have and that you will be convinced otherwise. Would you pray with me, please? Thank you, Father, for giving us life, for giving us free will to choose your Son. And when we have that free will and we use it, sometimes to sin, that you had your son pay the penalty for our sin. We thank you, Father, for all the brave individuals who fought in foreign wars, who died or were maimed or came out with mental wounds and whom we're going to celebrate in two days. Thank you, Father, that your word contains the truth And that when we lean on your word and not the words of humans, we will never be set in the wrong direction. We thank you in the name of your son. Amen. Okay, let's begin with the end times. For thousands of years, people thought the end times were coming. All it would take is a great earthquake or a famine or an invasion by a cruel country, and people would say, it must be the end times. I'm Jewish. My people thought that when World War II came and Jews started being incinerated, it had to be the Great Tribulation and Hitler had to be the Antichrist. 
But we don't base our opinions on historic events. We base our knowledge on the Bible. Well, Jesus was asked, when will the end times begin? And his answer, I'm going to summarize it. It's actually an hour-long lecture on how to prove it biblically, but I'd be happy to answer questions afterwards and see if I can cause a big parking problem out there. (laughs) But Jesus essentially said, paraphrasing, the end times will begin when Israel, long dormant, will become a nation again. Next slide, please. Here's Israel becoming a nation. Here's where we are. We are in the end times, and most of us have spent all or most of our lives in the end times. Now, you might say, well, life isn't that different or weird. Well, Jesus said so. He said it would start off really slowly, crescendo, and then end with a bang. We just haven't come to the bang part yet. Okay, very, very soon will come World War III. Next slide. As a matter of fact, World War III is eminent. How eminent is World War III? Do you see where it says you are here? Do you see where it says World War III? For more information, consult Ezekiel 38 and 39. How far are we from World War III? I can tell you pretty close, about half an inch. Now, don't confuse World War III with, next slide, Armageddon. Armageddon is an entirely different battle. It is virtually seven years from World War III, but it is a different battle. And one of the reasons that we hear so much false theology taught is people confuse World War III or Ezekiel 38-39 with Armageddon, a completely different war. What you will find, though, is in God's timetable, major events happen along with major wars. So when Armageddon comes, next slide, please. Actually, when World War III comes, this is what it's going to stack up very soon when World War III is about to start. The prophet... Ezekiel said that two countries would lead the attack on Israel. One is Persia, which is Iran. We know that's Persia because it was called Persia only a few decades ago. The other country, Russia, Russia, was named by Ezekiel. And Ezekiel told us geographically exactly where it was. This is not some fanciful interpretation. Ezekiel told us that Russia and Iran would lead the battle. All the blue countries are there, confederates. Now, you see that tiny little purple country there? That's Russia. I mean, that's Israel. (laughs) Nice try. That's Israel. Now, if you look at the map closely, and if you have the mind of a diplomat, you would say, well, the obvious solution is for Israel to give more land to the enemies. 
here's the game plan. The game plan is they will, the enemy will surround Israel with infantry. Then they will surround that with tactical nuclear weapons. Now, tactical weapons will not destroy a nation. Their intent is to totally obliterate a small area, like destroy the military capability of Israel. Once they've sent off those tactical nukes, then the infantry will invade and 20 years later have two-headed children. (laughs) Now, the plan goes wrong in the nuclear attack against Israel. Next slide. What happens is, whether by miracle or some Israeli genius puts a worm into the computer system of the enemy, who knows? But whatever the case is, Israel will not be touched by the nuclear weapons. All the weapons surrounding Israel will go haywire and will attack the invaders. They'll just go the wrong direction. And Israel won't be touched, but all of the invaders will be incinerated. But when that happens, next slide, it escalates into a global nuclear war. And it involves the United States and Russia. If you ever studied World War I, how that came about, one small event led to World War I. Well, this isn't even a small event, but it's not hard to imagine that the Bible is correct, if for no other reason than the Bible said so. But there will be world calamity, there will be world destruction, each Polaris missile seen to the left, each missile has many warheads. It doesn't just go to one place and explode. It passes over many places and, there, and it will drop a nuke, go to another place, drop a nuke. Um, one submarine could destroy the entire known world. And here's an Akula-class submarine of the Russians that has the same capability, and that's exactly what's going to happen in World War III. There will be an escalation, and we will have global nuclear war. So what happens when Israel, to Israel after the nukes go off? Nothing. What happens to the enemies of Israel after the nukes go off? Annihilation. What happens to the United States when the nukes go off? Next slide. To the United States when the nukes go off, according to Scripture, I've been taught so many times that the United States is not found in end time Scripture. Not true. Next slide. What happens to the United States after the nukes go off is countrywide devastation, and loss of power. What happens to the church after the nukes go off? Well, that's pretty scary. What happens if you're in the church and you're in the United States and you know that the entire country is going to be nuked? Next slide. I am pretty certain that the rapture occurs right in the midst of the nuclear bombs in World War III. In other words, when the nukes go off, the believers aren't on the earth. They're in the clouds. 
there in the rapture. Now, what happens at the rapture? At the rapture, Jesus comes down from heaven to the clouds. He brings with them the souls, not the bodies, the souls of those who were Christians and died. Where are their bodies? Wherever they left them on the earth. Most of them pretty bad um, situation. However, God then raises the dead, meaning the dead bodies, and puts them back into live form, puts the spirits back in, and the dead in Christ, who rose first, are now alive. Then those who are still alive and Christians will be risen to the clouds with them, join them in the air, and we will be with Christ forever. Now, I'm always asked this question, so I'll give you the answer right now. Um, what happens to Aunt Matilda, who got cremated? How can she get raptured? And the answer is, don't worry. God remembers where the molecules are. You know, next line. You know, if, if you think about it, Scotty can do it. You know, next slide. The dilithium crystals are empty, Captain. Next slide. We've got to beam you aboard, Captain. And finally, next slide. The molecules Scotty has disassembled from wherever they are and reassembles the molecule on the transporter room of the Enterprise. Well, if Scotty can do it, you think God can't? And God doesn't need dilithium crystals. So, the dead rise first, then those alive rise second. Now, we come to the problem. Most Christians throughout the world do not believe in the rapture. You have to ask yourself, why? Most Christians in the world are not taught about the rapture. Most Christians in the world, when we talk about the rapture, think we're crazy. How can we know we're right? And if you are not 100% certain, then what can we learn today so that you will be 100% certain and you can't be misled by people who have phenomenal degrees after their names and tell you there is no rapture. Well, first I'm going to show you the disbelief in the rapture. Then I'm going to show you proof that the rapture is the word of God. Okay, first, is there really a rapture? Well, the Roman Catechism, PP 676, revived in accordance with Pope John Paul II, next slide, says the church rejects all forms of millennialism. Millennialism is the belief, bless you, that we're raptured, then there's seven years that are rather unpleasant on the earth. The last three and a half years are especially unpleasant, called the Great Tribulation. Then Jesus returns to the earth, called the Second Coming, and then for a thousand years he reigns on the earth on King David's throne in Jerusalem. Okay, that's millennialism. If you believe in everything I just said, you are a millennialist. 
Okay, the Catholic Church says amillennialism is the only way to interpret Scripture. There is no rapture, there is no great tribulation, and there is no millennium. Now, I'm not talking about Catholic congregations. I'm talking about the Vatican. There's a very big difference between what people who attend a church believe and what the people way on top of the religious order believe. So I'm only talking about the Vatican now. Okay, quote from the Vatican. Premillennialism cannot be safely taught. Um, that's kind of weird. Should we wear safety glasses and a hard hat? <laughs> the idea of the rapture is foreign to Catholic theology. Christ is on earth already in the form of the Pope and will go on for thousands of years as the Pope. So in other words, the Pope is Christ on earth. So if you start teaching people that Christ is coming back, he will rule in Jerusalem on David's throne, then we don't need popes anymore. You know, I always, I always picture some big city street corner and there's a pope and all his regal majesty and he has this big billboard that says dispensation for food. You know, you don't... You don't need popes anymore if there is truly a millennium. So I understand that one. The Vatican says rapture theology, such as the Left Behind series, is dangerous. Why is it dangerous? Well, first, it's changing lives. Oh, my goodness. It's providing answers to the end of the world. And it's making sense of the Bible without consulting Catholic magisterial documents. In other words, if you're going to understand the Bible, you can't read the Bible. You have to consult the magisterial documents, what they say about the Bible. So anyway, Catholic Church, no rapture, no great tribulation, no thousand year reign of Christ. Okay, let's get on to some of the harder ones to refute. Okay, Protestant views on the rapture, especially mainline Protestant views. You know what mainline denominations are. They hold the centuries-old beliefs even when proved wrong. Anyway, let's start with the United Methodist. Now again, I am not saying the people who attend United Methodist services believe this way. I'm talking about the Boston Wesleyan Association and its official publication, next slide, United Methodists Face Dangers in the Rapture Culture. Now, I'm trying to think of the dangers in the rapture culture. You know, children read Left Behind and then go straight to heroin. I mean, what, what kind of dangers are there? You know, we read about... The left behind syndrome. Syndrome? What? It's Ebola or something? You catch your child reading left behind and you have to burn the books and quarantine the readers for 21 days? The left behind syndrome is false theology. It poses frightening 
real implications for today's world. That's actually true. If Jesus is not your Lord and Savior, the rapture poses frightening real implications. It is based on falsehoods that distort the Holy Bible, which John Wesley taught us. Now, John Wesley, uh, the founder of the Methodists, um, I'm not saying he taught this. I'm saying that Boston Wesleyan Association says he taught this. The rapture is based on falsehoods that distort the Holy Bible, which John Wesley taught us to interpret using. Okay, so this is the official Boston Wesleyan Association view on how you interpret the Bible. Ready? Through church tradition, through our life experience, and most important, our powers of reasoning. Next slide. Now, when I come to this point that you interpret the Bible based on our powers of reasoning, this thing from Isaiah always pops up. You know, 55.8, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declare the Lord. So if that's true, how can we interpret the Bible based on our powers of reasoning? Well, next line, what about Presbyterian? I'm using Presbyterians online. And I'm not saying that Presbyterian congregations believe this. I'm talking about the people who lead the organization. And this is the head article for this magazine. The end of the world, what Presbyterians believe. Now, I'm not saying Presbyterians believe this, but they're saying that Presbyterians believe this. Fundamental to Presbyterian beliefs is the rejection of idle speculation of the end times. You know, idle speculation... Threshing Floors Bible study is going to, our study on the end times will last about one and a half years and involves only what the Bible says. How can you have one and a half years of biblical teaching and have that be idle speculation? The rapture is a questionable theologic idea with scant biblical testimony. We're about to see how scant. Presbyterian Outlook gives a comment on a book written by Dr. B.R. Rossing. And here's the comment made in Presbyterian Outlook. When the Left Behind series began in 1995, many of us wondered who would read such stuff. The disturbing thing is many assume the rapture represents a biblical view. Now, we who read the scripture, I mean, we don't, of course, but they do, cannot allow such a view. This theology is antithetical to faithful reading of scripture. And the book Rapture Exposed offers a theologically insightful critique and skillfully exposes, next line, next slide please, skillfully exposes the theological fiction of the rapture. Now I'm getting worried because there's a book being quoted where it skillfully exposes the theological fiction of the rapture. 
Okay, so I got a copy of Rapture Exposed. I was sure to get it used so that the author wouldn't get any revenue. <laughs> and the Rapture Exposed, you don't know how evil I am. Leslie does, but you don't know. The Rapture Exposed by the Reverend, the Most High Reverend, Dr. B.R. Rossing. Dr. Rossing happens to have a master's degree, next slide, master's degree in divinity at Yale, a theologic doctrine at Harvard, and is the chair of the International Theology Committee for her denomination. Now, that would give her lots of credence. We're not talking about some kook who wrote a book. We're talking about the person who is recognized worldwide as the most knowledgeable biblical theologian. So, she also happens to be full professor at University of Chicago Department of Religion. Okay, so I'm reading the book and I have with me my uh, Greek um, dictionary. I want to be able to look up so when she says, no, you're reading it wrong, you're interpreting it wrong, it doesn't really mean this, it means that I can look it up. And I'm kind of afraid, what if she's right? What if I have to change my belief because she's totally right? So she starts in with her evidence. And her evidence is so compelling, I didn't know if I could refute it or not. Here's her first bit of evidence. God is not a God who so loved the world that he sent World War III. And I'm remembering there was a World War I. There was a World War II. And the same God was in control. So how can you say he wouldn't send World War III? Okay, let that one go. God is not a God who would destroy so many animals. Now, you have in your handouts, in case you don't believe me, but in Genesis 7, in the 100th year, 600th year of Noah's life, rain fell on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. Every living thing that moved on the earth perished. Birds, livestock, wild animals, all the creatures that swarm on the earth, and all mankind. God is not the kind of God who would destroy so many animals. More evidence that the rapture is not biblical. God is not to be found in the violent red horse of Revelation. In this case, Dr. Rossing is correct. It's the white horse, not the red horse. (laughs) Where are God and Jesus to be found today? Rapture theology seems to suggest that God is largely removed from the earth and that he inexplicably inflicts plagues and earthquakes by the so-called wrath of the Lamb. Okay. So-called wrath of the Lamb. How much time? Okay, thank you. So-called wrath of the Lamb. Look at Revelation 6.16. Called to the mountains and the rocks. Fall on us and hide from us. 
from the wrath of the Lamb. We didn't invent that so-called wrath of the Lamb. It's in the Bible. And what about the comment that God wouldn't inflict plagues and earthquakes against those still on the earth? Revelation 9.18 A third of mankind was killed by three, everyone, plagues of fire, smoke and sulfur. Revelation 16.18 Then there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunders, and a, everyone, severe earthquake. No earthquake like it has occurred since man has been on the earth. So tremendous was the earthquake. Then I have ten more sources below. We don't have time to go through it. You can go through it at your own leisure and see how God inflicts plagues and earthquakes on those still on the earth. Next argument was the hardest to counter. Rapture theology has no concern for the environment. I really don't know what to say. (laughs) Except we should have a sequel to the movie God Isn't Dead. How about God Isn't Green? I don't know. (laughs) Next argument trumped up biblical views of Daniel 9 stating that Jesus actually thought Daniel was a prophet. Well, I don't know. Matthew 24, 4. Jesus answered, Watch that no one deceives you, not even Dr. Rossing. I put that part in. So when you see standing in the holy place, the abomination that causes desolation spoken through the prophet Daniel. Does it sound to you like Jesus was under the misunderstanding that Daniel really was a prophet? Neither Jesus nor his supporters believed in the Great Tribulation. Okay, let's go to Matthew 24:21. For then shall be everyone great tribulation such as was not seen from the beginning of the world till this time no nor ever shall be. Now that's proof that he's not talking about a great tribulation. He's talking about the great tribulation because he said it's never been this bad before. And it never will be this bad again. That sounds like the great tribulation to me. Ah, but there's more. Revelation 2.22 Behold, I cast her into a bed and them that commit adultery with her into the great tribulation. Revelation 7.9 And there before me was a great multitude standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes. Verse 14 These are they who have come out of the, everyone, great tribulation. It sounds to me like Jesus did believe. You know, there are so many situations where a believer can run into someone else who's a believer but ignorant about the rapture. And when you say you believe in the rapture, then they say, you know, that was disproved. They say, really? Where was it disproved? 
Well, I know because I heard someone who was a really famous person who was like one of the most important theologians in the world, and they said that there was no rapture. Did you look at the evidence that they gave you? Well, I don't have to. This is a really important person. I want you to know that every person in this room knows enough to study scripture, study the arguments against the rapture, and then you can know in your heart that we will be raptured. <sighs> More. There are 3.5 year periods in the tribulation are another example of chronology without any basis in scripture. Nowhere in scripture does it talk about three and a half year periods of time after the rapture. Well, except in Daniel 9.27, I will confirm a covenant for many with one Shabuah of time. A Shabuah is a seven year period in Hebrew. Then it says, in the middle of the seven year period, he will... Okay, let's think. Middle of a seven-year period. You take seven years and divide it by two. How many years do you come up with? Three and a half. Okay, Daniel 7.25. The Antichrist will speak against the Most High for time, times, and half the time. Times is a, is a duo. Okay, that's a two-year period. Time is a one-year period. So time times and half a time is, oh look, three and a half years. Uh, Revelation 11.2, but exclude the outer court, do not measure it. It was given to the Gentiles. They will trample the holy city for 42 months. Anyone good at math? How long is 42 months? Oh, three and a half years. And I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1,260 days. Now, remembering that a biblical year is 360 days, what is 1,260 divided by 360? Three and a half years. But there is no biblical basement for three basis for three and a half year period. Okay. Now let's go. Is How can we know that there's a rapture? I mean, the argument given by many people is that rapture doesn't show up in the Bible. And that's true. If you look up in the Bible, you won't see the word rapture. How many of you believe in the second coming of Christ? How many of you have seen the words second coming in the Bible? It's not there. It's inferred, but it's not there. How many people have seen the first coming of Christ in the Bible? Not there. But we know he came, right? Okay, I want to talk about the second coming, and I want to talk about four aspects. I could actually talk about dozens, but I chose four. Okay, first of all, when Jesus returns, what is his destination at the second coming. Next slide. His destination, he returns to the earth to judge. 
Okay? He actually lands on the earth. I have the biblical verses for you up there. Out of his mouth comes a two-edged sword to strike down the nations. On his robe says, King of kings and Lord of lords. Then I saw the beasts and the kings of the earth with their armies making war against him. Okay, so we all agree at the second coming he lands on the earth, right? Okay. Second, I want to talk about advanced warning of that day. When Jesus returns, now I know we've been taught otherwise, but at the second coming, do we know the exact day he's going to return? Believe it or not, the answer is yes. We do know. Daniel 7.25, the Antichrist will speak against the Most High and oppress his saints for three and a half years. Now, when does he start? The middle of the Great Tribulation. So as soon as the middle comes and the Antichrist enters the Holy of Holies, we know it's exactly three and a half years. The beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and exercise his authority for 42 months. Um, Israel fled into the desert to a place prepared for her by God where she'd be taken care of for 1,260 days. In other words, from the very middle of the last seven years, right when the Great Tribulation starts, we know it's exactly 1,260 days and Jesus will return. We know the exact date of the second coming. We don't know it now, but they will know it long before he returns. Next slide. What is life like right before the second coming? When Jesus returns... When Jesus returns, life is anything but normal. There was a great earthquake. The sun turned black. The whole moon turned blood red, and the stars in the sky fell to the earth. How many times have you seen that happen? Would you call that unusual behavior? Before the second coming, life is not normal. People are hiding in caves from the spitwads coming from heaven. Here's item number four. Do people see the second coming? And the answer is yes. He meets us. Okay, the entire world will see his return. Look in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's Jesus coming in the clouds. Every eye will see him and kryptonite ain't going to work. Everyone is going to see Jesus return like lightning coming from east to west. Everyone will see Jesus coming. But we also read, and this is really strange, when Jesus returns, next slide, he meets us in the clouds and does not come to the earth. Isn't that bizarre? Because didn't we just read that he comes to the earth and fights the Antichrist? Now we're saying when he returns, he returns to the clouds and goes straight back to heaven. That's weird. We are not told when Jesus will return. I'll read you. No one knows the day or the hour. Not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Wait a minute, didn't we just read that the second coming scripture predicts the exact day and years, months, and days? And now we're saying that we don't know the day or the hour? How's that possible? Okay, when Jesus returns, life is completely normal? 
Matthew 24:37. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be with the coming of the Son of Man. He's talking about when he returns. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage. That's how it will be when he returns. In other words, life is normal on earth. But didn't we just read that there's an earthquake, the sun turns black, the moon turns red, the skies and the stars in the skies fall down? Didn't we just read that? How are both possible? And finally, no one will even know that he returned like a thief in the night. The idea of a thief in the night is not you didn't hear him come in until he cracks a window. You go, what's that? I don't know. Go get the shotgun. That's not a thief in the night. The idea of the thief in the night is that he's taken all your stuff and left. You're still asleep, and you don't even know he's been there until the next morning. Well, Jesus describes his when he returns as a thief in the night. So, here's my question for you. How can you possibly believe that when Jesus returns, he meets us in the clouds, but does not come to the earth? When Jesus returns, no one will know the day or the hour, but we will know the exact day. When Jesus returns, life will be normal until his return, but life will be anything but normal, and the sun and the moon and the stars, etc., When Jesus returns, everyone will see it happen. When Jesus returns, no one will know it happened. How can you explain that? There's only one way. He comes twice. And one of the times he comes in the clouds for his church, goes right back up to heaven... It's like a thief in the night. No one knows what day the rapture is going to be. And life will be just like it normally is right before the rapture. But seven years later, the second coming, he will return again again. And this time, everyone will see him coming. Just like you see lightning from east to west. He will land on the earth. He will destroy the armies of the Antichrist. He will not come like a thief in the night. Everyone's going to know when it happens, and everyone's going to see it happen. Do not be cowed by other people claiming to be experts. You know enough scripture. Jeff has taught you enough scripture. That you can go on reading the Bible every day when you have questions, go ahead and ask them. And if someone from one of those cults, like, I won't mention them because I'll (laughs) offend people, and tell you there's no such thing as the rapture, you, you can argue if you want. You can just ignore it if you want. But believe. Would you pray with me, please? Thank you, Father, for the absolute assuredness that your Son will come for us. Whether we happen to die before that date and our spirit is in heaven, or if we are alive on earth at that day, 
we know that your Son will come for us. And we need never worry. And we thank you, Father, in the name of your Son. Amen.